Welcome to Stall Warning, a show talking all things lacrosse. I am your host, Ponchito Ojeda. And joining me today is Concordia Irvine head coach, Jesse Foss. Coach, how you doing, man? I'm good, Ponch. How you doing? I'm doing great. Just uh, enjoying another rainy day here in uh, Virginia. Is it raining in California? No. Uh, a little overcast today, last couple of days. Uh, we had a really nice weekend, so and I think we're going to have a nice weekend this weekend. But, I mean... Bad weather in California, Southern California is still, you know, partly cloudy in 70, so it's not too bad. Yeah, it's a long cry from your childhood where you did not have that every day. <laughs> yeah, once I came out to California, I realized I was never leaving. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a tough place to leave. I mean, it's an amazing area and really cool people, and you have access to a billion different things, mountains, ocean, you name it. But... uh yeah, it's cool. So what brought you out to California in the first place? Why did you move there? Um, so interesting. I actually have family. Uh, my mom, my brothers lived out in California. Uh, we moved out to California when I was in seventh grade, sixth grade. Um, and I ended up coming out here for basically about a half a year, a year. Uh, and just wasn't, wasn't a good fit uh, within my family dynamic and uh, ended up moving back in with my grandparents in New York. Um, so after college, I just wanted to kind of come back out and reconnect with my, my family, and my brothers, um, you know, both younger than me. And um, so I kind of what was is what brought me out here at the uh, at the college. Oh, that's pretty cool. I you know we didn't cover that in the pre-show call, but that was neat to that's neat to hear how you got out there. So that's awesome, man. Good to hear. Um, but let's speaking of living in New York, let's talk a little about your your story. You know, you're you're uh, you're from Strong Island, and you know I think you have some serious lacrosse background and pedigree. That's very cool, and people in California are pumped to have that as a coach. Um, so let's talk about your high school career. You know what was it like playing lacrosse at uh, you know Division Avenue High School in Levittown, a pretty well known lacrosse hotbed. Yeah, and kind of very interesting to my story. Obviously, coming from uh, a traditional area like Long Island in Nassau County, um, I didn't start playing lacrosse till my freshman year of high school. Um, you know, I'd grown up playing baseball and kind of got burnt out a little bit on baseball. And and truthfully, our program, Division Avenue, was, was one of the top programs in in the state. Uh, I think they've won five state championships out of the last six. And uh, you know, as a left-handed pitcher and kind of seeing the depth chart of the next four years and where I'd be, I realized I probably wasn't going to get a lot of playing time and had a bunch of play, uh, buddies that, um, you know, football, basketball buddies that played lacrosse and talked me out to talk me into coming out and giving a shot um, and came out and, you know, awesome gear and came out the first day of practice. I uh, had never been playing before. Um, and that was kind of my introduction to lacrosse. Um, and I mean, Stick and I think two things. I think one, the crossover from football and basketball, and just how those sports relate. I really liked it. And then two, just being so bad at it, it really to to get out there and work hard to get better at it. Um, so went from like the worst player on the JVB team uh, my freshman year to being a starter on the varsity team my junior year. Um, a, lot of, a lot of work in between. Yeah, that is uh, that is a cool story. That's. That is, a, I can imagine the amount of work that you had to do to get to that level, um, and it paid off, right? Because you, you do a really great job. Bust your, bust your tail. You get to Nassau Community College, which is, you know, one of the best community college programs 
in the country. And, and then you, that takes you to Stony Brook, you know, a division one lacrosse school. Um, how cool is it to kind of, you know, obviously if you didn't pick up till high school, it wasn't your dream as a kid, but how cool is it to see your hard work pay off to get to that level of lacrosse? It was, it was really cool. You know, I think the minute, like I said, the minute I picked up a stick and realized like I liked the challenge, I don't want to see what I could do. It was my goal is to be the best player on my high school team by the time I graduated. And, um, I got close. We had a kid, Eric Whedon, who ended up being all American Hopkins. Um, and just one of the best athletes that I've ever played with in high school or college. And, um, but I was right there with him. I led the team points in high school and then obviously going to Nassau, um, you know, the level of competition, uh, was really, really high with kids coming from Nassau and Suffolk to play on that team. And, uh, we won a national championship my junior, excuse me, my sophomore year, um, in, in, 1999 um, on really the best team I've ever been a part of, uh, whether it be, you know, in, you know, junior college or division one, uh, that Nassau team was, was really special. We had two kids that ended up being on team USA. Uh, we had a host of kids that ended up going to the one schools and uh, we just had talent and, you know, really great coaches kind of get us to the next level. Um, and then obviously Stony Brook was a really unique experience playing at division one level, being on a team that moved into a conference in the ECAC and then America East, um, and then seeing kind of the level of play increase from the time I was there. Yeah, that's uh, that's quite the story. I mean, winning a national championship in in the community college level, JUCO level, is is no joke. I think you know Californians probably don't realize what the JUCO level lacrosse is out here on the East Coast, but I mean these these are programs filled with with uh, future Division One stars. Um, so it's really cool to see, to see that. Um, and then, you know, so you, so you graduate Sunnybrook and you, you head out to Cali and, and you start your, your coaching career and it starts with the girls team. You're like, what prompted you? What well, one, what did you always know you wanted to coach? Um, yeah, I think I always wanted to coach. Uh, you know, I got my degree in social sciences uh, with emphasis in history and kind of thought I'd always be a, a history teacher and coach uh, lacrosse in high school and then moved out to California, kind of, you know, not not really had planned it. And I got out here, did a little student teaching, uh, substituting, and I ended up having a, a neighbor um, whose daughter played at the local high school. Uh, they just started the program the year before and they had never won a game. And I, I wasn't really... Sh- into coaching California, I kind of had a little of a preconceived notion of what it was. And, you know, I thought it'd be capable enough to practice barefoot and um, just kind of wasn't ready for it, you know, in 2002. And the girls thing kind of interested me. And obviously it felt like I was helping out a friend, a uh, neighbor. And so I, I started coaching and I loved it. Uh, it was a, definitely a new game for me to learn. The girls game is very different. And but they, they kicked butt and they worked hard and we ended up winning the game that year, um, which was really cool. And um, and then towards the end of the year, um, uh, a good friend, Dallas Harley, who's the head coach of Chapman, was over at La Costa Canyon. Um, through some transition turnover, he went from like the JV assistant to the varsity head coach within a couple of weeks um, and didn't have staff. And so I kind of popped on and helped him toward the end of the season over La Costa Canyon um, throughout the, the remaining part of the playoffs and then stayed on uh, from 2003 moving on. Yeah, so I mean, just touch on the girls' game. I mean, I don't know. Do you still follow the girls' game at all, or no? Not really. I uh, not really. 
um, trying to get my daughter into playing a little bit. She's nine. And so, you know, that's kind of getting us going a little bit back into it, but I, I really haven't followed it too much. You know, you see, you see on like Instagram and social media, some of the highlights of the girls games, uh, and just the skills and the athleticism they possess is, is really incredible. Uh, and how, how much the games developed. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's, uh, I was about to say, when you go back to coaching the girls game, probably to help your daughter, daughter's team, you're going to find out it's, uh, it's totally changed from back when you first started. I mean, it's bananas. The, the girls game is pretty cool now. I really enjoy it. Um, but speaking of La Costa Queen, so you joined Coach Hartley and, uh, you guys are good friends to this day and, uh, you guys run going on a tear and you're as assistant coach for eight years. And then you take over as head coach for, for six years. If I have my math right here, um, just tell us about that lacrosse Canyon experience and you know, your thoughts on, on kind of that team, how it got built, what it was, what it was like. Yeah, it was great. I mean, obviously me, me and Dallas both being really young and new to coaching. Uh, we definitely, you know, learned, <laughs> uh, right in the mix of it all. And, um, obviously made some really good decisions and did some good things and, and made some terrible decisions along the way, but I uh, learned from them and our kids, you know, helped us along the way. Our parents were great and really supportive. And, uh, it was just a really awesome program, you know, in all those years and just the parent support, the administration support from our athletic directors and the other coaches and obviously being a, a, a non-traditional sport. Um, it really became a sport that people respected and and look at, uh, you know, in Encinitas in our town. Um, and now it's got a thriving youth program uh, all the way down to to first graders uh, through eighth. And, you know, obviously the program's continuing to be one of the best. Um, but it was, it was, you know, is try to think about what, how to recreate that, that culture that we had at La Costa. Um, and it just kind of really happened organically, I think, from, you know, getting close and getting a little better every year and the guys really buying in and just kind of adding some, some pieces um, from our coaching, you know, development, uh, really helped us kind of grow uh, both as coaches and as a team. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was awesome. So I, I, I got to see La Costa Canyon more when you, uh, when you were the head coach, uh, when I was at Sonoma doing some recruiting and you guys were awesome, man. You had some great players and I love the, I love the energy level with which all your players played. It was so fun to, to recruit those guys. Cause they just go in there and just go, balls to the wall for you know 60 seconds then come off like coach i need 10 you know it was awesome so um testament to you guys and the, the effort you guys put in the the quality type of guys that you created and uh you know you guys won a bunch of titles in dallas head coach and i know you guys how many times did you, did you guys win when you were leading the charge uh, we won three three out of the six years yeah it's a good it's a, that's a good showing 50 percent is not bad right <laughs> No, not bad. Not bad at all. Um, yeah, I mean, um, yeah. So, so you have this great run with Dallas. A lot of fun, you know. And it's uh, and then 2017, you you take over the job at, at San Diego State. You know what? What prompted you to make the move from LCC to to San Diego State? Yeah, I just think I I, I wanted uh, a new challenge. I, you know, LCC is. It was awesome. And I, you know, I really, really enjoyed all my time there, but out of the um, 14 years, we played in 12 CIF championships. We won seven of them. Um, I think we played 12 lines in 10 out of the 12 of them. So, you know, with no, 
no sign that CIF is going to add a state championship or even a Southern California championship. Um, it just kind of seemed like it's kind of been a little the same every year. You know, you look forward to playing Torrey Pines in the regular season and hopefully beating them and winning conference. And then you look forward to beating them in the playoffs or championship. So I just kind of wanted the challenge. Uh, and I felt that San Diego State and the MCLA and obviously the conference uh, and the SLC and then the MCLA national tournament just seemed like a really cool experience uh, and a way to kind of step up my game. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think I think that's uh, you know not to to talk about San Diego State yet. Let's talk about LCC for one more second here. You know, it's it's somewhat of a travesty to me that there's no state championship in lacrosse uh, in California. Yeah, it's, it's brutal. I mean, I you know I I think God for a while there we were going back and forth to CIF and saying you know trying to get Adrenaline uh, Lacrosse, which is an event company out here to that they would sponsor the whole thing and, um, you know, cover all the costs and, just, you know, even do like a final four of the best teams in, in the state and they wouldn't have it. They said, no, it has to be run by us. And, you know, I think it's something like 60% of the high schools in the state have to have the sport in order for them to uh, qualify state champ or state championship, state tournament, which lacrosse is not even close when you look at the size of the state. And gross, you know, it's growing uh, and it's growing a ton, but it's still not. So it's it's a long ways away, and it's kind of frustrating that they won't uh, be a little more supportive in that growth. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's such a bummer because I'd love to see like LCC and Tory and St. Margaret's and SI and De La Salle and Redwood and you know all those teams get a chance to play each other at the end of the year when they're all playing their best lacrosse and, and really see who's the best because you know and even Poway right down San Diego, I mean, you could make arguments for days about which team is the best team in any given year. And I think it'd be fun to just let it get settled on the field. So, uh, you know, maybe we'll, maybe we'll have to start a change.org petition or something to lower the percentage. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's good idea, actually. Yeah, yeah, why not? I mean, I know the adrenaline offered that Western lacrosse championships, which I think is actually a really cool idea. Um, you know, and, and hopefully that will happen next year. Uh, but, uh, you know, and, and that could be the kind of way to settle a bit more of a national level. But I think for a state, it'd be fun to, to have something like that. So a- anyways, I, uh, I digress a little bit. Um, so you get to San Diego State in 2017. You know, what was that like culturally uh, compared to LCC? It was a lot different. Um, you know, I think part of me did learning how to coach at the MCLA level and, and at SDSU was really like, learning the kids and what they wanted out of the program. Um, I think culturally it's, you know, the MCLA is very, very different. Um, and say, you know, a competitive high school program like La Costa where, you know, it's kind of ingrained in kids what they want to be and they want to, you know, they want to start and they want to contribute and they want to win a championship. And part of that, and I think at the MCLA level, uh, you, have a, you have a varying degrees of, interest right some guys are want to be really competitive and play the highest level some guys want to you know have something new outside of school and some guys want to make friends um and all everything in between so um i think it was a very, really really important experience for me yeah i agree i mean i think it's one of the biggest challenges in mcla is just trying to get a balance of what uh, what it means to the athletes of that school and the key is at that school because every school is different i mean it's it's insane the difference between commitment from school A to school B to school C 
and trying to learn that process is really hard. And I know at San Diego State, huge school, right? Fraternities, football, basketball, all this stuff. I mean, how much did that extracurricular stuff distract from your ability to get guys out for lacrosse? Yeah, I mean, I'd say we 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 kind of always kid around as coaches, but you know, we said there was definitely there was an MCLA top ten team on campus that just wasn't playing. Uh, you know, there was a starting defenseman from the boys' Latin uh, program when they won. I think they went undefeated. They won the national tournament, um, and he just wouldn't come out and play. We had two or three Division One transfers that just weren't into it. So it, it's it's a challenge, uh, and. and I always kind of said to, to the kids that did come out and were part of the program and were fully committed, you know, how much respect I had for them. One, they could balance, you know, going to a school with all those trappings and also, you know, holding a, a course load and doing well in school and also balancing late night practices and travel and all the things they did, you know, really because they love the game. I mean, more so than you'll see at any other college level. I mean, the fact that those kids and do all those things and they're in a frat and they're engineering majors and taking 18 units and they study abroad in the fall and they're you know paying to play and still willing to commit and do that i i have a ton of respect for those kids for doing that yeah 100 percent. i couldn't agree more we we talk about this all the time at, at tech is uh is uh we respect your time and we try to be very diligent in in maintaining our practice time frames not going too long and and things like that and and you know like like we don't do things on football weekends. That's just not a thing, you know. And everyone's like, "That's crazy." And I'm like, "No, nah, it's not crazy." I mean, this—they didn't come to tech just to play lacrosse. They came for school and and football and basketball. Those things matter, you know. And it's just different. So, yeah, we I mean, we um, giving the kids off. Yeah, same thing with SESU. We, you know, big football weekend, home weekends. We we give them off, and uh, we ended up giving the kids off. Uh, my second year, we gave them off spring break. Um, which I was terrified about, you know, but it ended up being a, a great thing. It kind of let them go enjoy themselves for a couple of days, refocus, get back into it. Um, you know, it was something that, you know, if you told me when I was going to start playing college, I was going to give the kids bring great off and give them weekends off and all this stuff. I would say you're crazy, but you know, and, and really coaching them to their level, you got to really listen to the kids and, um, listen to our leaders and and some of the guys on the team and what they wanted and what they expected. It was it was actually a really good thing for us. That's cool. Well, I'm glad to know that it worked out getting them spring break off because that's what we're doing next year in 21. We are uh, going down to Georgia Tech and playing two games that Friday and Saturday of spring break, and then we're cutting them loose. And I was I was I'm fairly nervous about it still, but I feel a little bit better. That's um, <laughs> terrifying. It's definitely terrifying. <laughs> Our guys came back. They were fresh, and they were, you know, got. It took them a couple of days to get back into it, but um, once we got back into it, they were recharged and refreshed, and they appreciated the fact that we listened to them and gave them the time off. And I think that you know, that respect uh, definitely went a long way with them and uh, for them to follow us. Awesome, awesome. So, you, so you have a good couple of years at San Diego State. You know, you, you make some progress there. You know, we played each other. Uh, I definitely, uh, I think both those years, but maybe definitely in 18 and I, I really enjoyed, uh, our games, but, um, you know, San Diego State looked like it was on the, on the next step. And you could see that the following year in, in 19, that they were a much better team from the work you had put in, uh, with your staff, but then you make the move to Concordia Irvine, which is a good move. Concordia is moving up to division one. You know, they had moved up a couple of years prior and you know, it was a really good opportunity with a program that had a lot of talent. You know, what was your 
what was a what spawned that move to a much smaller school, you know, 60 miles away? Yeah, I mean, I think, like I said, I really enjoyed my time at SCSU, and I, I think I learned a lot uh, and grew as a coach there, you know. And um, But I think at the end of the day, you know, my expectations and what I want to out of college coaching or coaching in general didn't really meet uh, with the expectations of the players. Um, all, you know, right. overall, and, um, I just think it was, you know, I think they did a really good job trying to meet my expectations, but I think ultimately it just was going to be not a, not a great situation for both of us. Uh, and I also was a little, a little frustrated with the club sports. Um, you know, I think it's, it's a struggle, uh, every program and every one of the large schools. And, you know, I think for SCCU, they, they look at it no different than fraternity flag football. Um, you know, and it was, it was very much to my kids, you know, and the work they're willing to put in. So, you know, I, and I think the ability to recruit, uh, was, was tough there, right? I mean, you, those large schools, I mean, you don't know who's going to get in. You have no admission support and, uh, you just kind of hope and pray that you get the kids in and then you got to do your best to retain those kids. And my college experience, college coaching experience, I wanted to have a little more, um, impact, um, in the kids' lives, um, you know, and kind of everywhere from getting them, helping them through the admissions process and hopefully having some support there to, you know, their, their time experience at the college itself. Um, and Concordia just seemed like it, it lent better to that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think Concordia has, has always treated their program in a much different way than what you talk about at, at uh, San Diego State. And that's great. So it's it good. It married up well for you. And and you've done a nice job there. You guys start off in in 2019, your first year. You make the national tournament. You have a couple of big wins, you know. Uh, but you had a, a tiny roster. You know, what was it like uh, compare like trying to manage that small roster and getting the most out of every practice and and all that? How did how did that go? Yeah, it was uh, a good learning experience for me as a coach. But you know, I coming from my high school experience to college to then even coaching at La Costa Canyon where, you know, we had, I think between the three, the, the frost off the JV and the varsity program, we probably had close to hundred kids. Um, and even SCSU, we probably had close to 30 to 40 coming into a roster of like 22 with 20 healthy. Um, I pretty much had to take every drill I've ever run for the last 20 years and throw out the window. It. Um, it was a good, good experience for me. Just kind of learning how to work through that. Um, you know, practice high energy without the numbers and keeping guys healthy through drills. Uh, so, so the fresh for game days and how to approach each practice week with that light roster and how to, you know, manage that. And uh, even just the game days, um, it, it's definitely been a challenge, but it's been a, it's been a fun challenge. And I think, you know, now we're kind of getting to the other end of it. You know, we'll be close to a 35 man roster next, next spring, uh, you know, and hoping, Next two or three years, we'll be closer to a 40-45 man roster um, and have some depth uh, at all positions and some competition at all positions, which I think will be really healthy for our program. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. That's really good to hear. Glad to glad to hear that. So, you know, let's talk about. Um, you know, I said we were going to talk about twenty twenty before we did this, and then and then I didn't even do it. Um, so let's talk about it now. Let's talk about twenty twenty. So you had a nice year in twenty nineteen. You coming back? Uh, you know, obviously you're planning for twenty twenty one, but. You know, how did this year go for you guys? You started off the season with a couple of losses, but 
they were close losses to what ended to be the number one team in the country with Cal Poly. And I think Cal was like number three. Um, and you got a big win over Clemson. You know, what, how was the season going for you this year? Was it looking like a, a championship run or how's it feeling? Um, I think we kind of, um, you know, we, we hit a, a not and not taking away from anything from Georgia, but based on kind of where I think we could have been, we, we hit a low point in the Georgia loss. Uh, and then we broke right for spring break. Uh, so we had a bit, basically a week off the kind of kids had a chance to refocus, recharge. Obviously you don't want to ever, ever go into that break with a loss. Um, and a loss that they so that, that was a little tough, uh, but I think we we had some really good meetings coming back from spring break. We had some great practices, and I think we, um, I think our guys were ready to go. We had USC coming up on that Thursday, uh, which is a conference game. They're they're highly ranked team this in 2020, and uh, I thought we matched up really well. I thought we had a good game plan. I and I, my belief was, and I'm, I'm usually pretty. Pretty much a realist, you know. I, I felt like very strong going into that game, and I thought that was going to give us a nice, um, nice win to kind of get our guys back feeling positive, feeling confident, and then going into the rest of the season, which was looking good, you know, um, with our conference games and some of our conference games. But we had a good chance to not run the table, but put together a string of, of quality wins going into the conference tournament. Um, I think for the season, you know, I think it's it's been a one of the challenges at Concordia is because they've had so much success at the Division Two level. I think they they lost like two games in three years or something like that, and they were beating teams by you know twenty five goals. Um, I think it was a hard transition to the Division One level, where not every game is a, a gimme, um, you know. And I think um, I think guys had a, they struggled with losses, you know. I think everyone kind of put panic mode when we were like three and four, and those guys just. You know, there's a third, third season left, though. So um, I think it's trying to get kids to understand that you don't have to go undefeated to have a good year. And to be honest with you, if we go undefeated, I probably did a poor job scheduling. You know, I want, I don't want to go undefeated. I want to play good teams and I want to have our guys challenged and I want to challenge as a coach. So um, I'm going to put the best best teams on the schedule I possibly can. And, you know, if we go 500, but kick some butt and make the conference tournament, then we're going to be in a good spot. So. Getting kids to understand that mindset. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think uh, you know that 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 whole thing about going undefeated. You know, that's always a thing. Like people talk about it all the time, and I'm on the same mindset you are. Which is, I mean, sure, I'd love to go undefeated, but the re- the reality is, if we do a good job scheduling, we're gonna play probably five, six games that should be really, really tight, maybe even ten. And in those ten, you're you're just not gonna win all of them, most likely, and that's okay. Um, you know, it's it's great for the regular season because the only time I want to be undefeated is in the playoffs, um, and so it's uh, I think it's a great way to approach scheduling. And uh, it sounds like you guys had a good group uh, in 2020. Uh, how does 2021 look for you guys? Yeah, 2021 is looking great. Um, you know, I think we're still trying to work through some of the um, guys that were seniors in 2020, whether they're um, what they're thinking about next year, whether they're going to come back or go to grad school and kind of how that all play out. So we're working through that. But, um, you know, other than that, we have uh, a really strong group of incoming freshmen. Uh, we're going to welcome 14 freshmen on campus, which is um, by far, you know, more freshmen than we've ever had come into the program. Uh, and some really, really talented kids from all over the West. Uh, and then we have two transfers as well. Um, 
possibly a third one we we're kind of working on too. So really, really talented group. And we kind of fill some of the holes we needed to fill. Uh, you look at that Cal Poly game, the Cal game, you know, a few things that stand out were, uh, were one thing that really stood out was the faceoff um, position. We really struggled in both those games. We had a little better game plan for Cal, but we had no answers for the Cal Poly kid. Um, he beat us with athleticism, but uh, I think we have a really, really talented freshman coming in. Uh, that's really gonna that's really gonna help us kind of get over the there, um, and and we'll have some depth this year. Like I said, we'll be closer to thirty five guys, which will uh, give us some competition in practice, give us some depth to get through injuries in the long season. And um, yeah, I think talent talent wise, we'll be there. And I think uh, that's awesome, man. Uh, any you want to give us a peek into your twenty twenty one schedule? Um, yeah, I'm still kind of working out through the school. You know, I think one of the things with Concordia, uh, different than maybe some of the other MCLA programs is we, uh, we're run by athletics, their athletic department. So based on the rules that they come up with for their programs, we have to abide by. So we're kind of working through, uh, what the NCAA is going to decide, uh, as far as limiting game schedules, how conference play or out of conference play will work. Um, so we're still kind of working through that with the school, but, um, obviously, we have our, our conference games, uh, which are all all really competitive at this point. You know, USC's taking that next CSU is doing really, really well. They got some really good incoming freshmen. Um, obviously, Chapman's a top team in the NCAA. Grand Canyon's good. Arizona, Arizona State. Um, so I think obviously we have our conference games. Out of conference, we will play um, UCSB, Cal Poly, uh, we got Cal on the schedule this year, uh, and then working through potential neutral site game uh, with Michigan State and possibly Utah Valley out in uh, Vegas. Uh, nice. We'll wrap up our 13, 14 game schedule. Nice. That's awesome. That should be good. We'll we'll have a common opponent in Michigan State. That should be fun. Um, so, uh, but that's awesome, man. It sounds like you guys have a good group at Concordia Irvine. It sounds like you're making the, the right strides. Um, I'm going to change gears here and ask a, a question I didn't ask you on the pre-show call. So if you uh, don't want to answer, don't have any information, don't don't feel obligated to. But uh, I know that you're one of the key guys at Adrenaline in terms of the events. Um, do you have any updates for coaches that they might be able to, to know about the events that are happening this summer? Or is there any news on that front or not really? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think every event company has got plan A, plan B, and plan C kind of going right now. Um, you know, I think most of the, the June-July events are trying to – or June events got pushed to July. July events getting pushed to August. Um, you know, I think most of our events have now been moved. Um, we have a lot of stuff going on either late July uh, and even early August with some of our Eastern events and our Western events, uh, especially the recruiting events, trying to see what we can get. Uh, the NCA hasn't ruled yet as far as the extension on the dead period, quiet period. Um, so we're right. in August, but um, yeah, I mean, I think all signs point to events happening. Um, you know, obviously it's all state by state and, and county by county, but um, you know, I think our, our events in Delaware, we feel really strong about um, with the summer invitational, which is July 26th to the 28th. And then the black card platinum cup, which is, 31st through August 2nd. Um, we just moved our Western shootout event, which is in Colorado Springs, to August 4th to 16th at 
the changes happen yesterday, actually. So um, things are moving and, and hopefully moving along with, with those guidelines to get uh, from back to play. So. Awesome. Awesome. Well, sorry to spring that on you. Uh, appreciate the information. We'll definitely, if we get any updates, we'll pass it along. Uh, you know, Adrenaline does a really good job at events and I uh, definitely recommend if you're a college coach looking for some recruiting, they do some of the best. And Coach Foss here is one of the leaders in that department. So uh, thanks, Coach. Uh, any any parting words for the people before we let you go? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, I think a lot of the MSLA coaches listen to this. And uh, if you guys are interested in coming to our, any of our adrenaline events while we're talking about it, um, you know, make sure you reach out to me. Um, you can get my contact info um, pretty easily. But, um, you know, I think this summer with coaches not being allowed to be or NCA coaches either being restricted with their travel through their schools or just being in a dead period. I mean, there's a really good opportunity for MSLA coaches to really make an impact um, and get out to events meet kids, coach them up, you know, through some of the showcases where, you know, typically those, those showcases are run by NCA coaches, but this summer um, they're going to be looking for coaches and, and that's a great way to get in front of kids. And I think the MCLA is all about marketing, a little less about recruiting and, you know, get out there and market your program and yourself. And, um, you know, definitely a really good opportunity to, to pick up some, some high level 21s and 22s. Love it, Coach. Well, uh, thank you very much for coming on. Really appreciate it, and uh, we're looking forward to having you again. So thank you, everyone, for listening. Rate us, review us, subscribe to us. You can follow us on social media at 101 underscore LAX on Instagram, at 101 Lacrosse on Twitter and Facebook. Until next time, see ya.